Thanks to Canva for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Canva is an easy-to-use design platform that has everything you need to design like a pro. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to canva.me slash dreamjob. Also, thanks to First Leaf. First Leaf is a wine club that sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world right to your door. Join today and you're going to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dreamjob. Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. You guys are in for such a treat today because Mari Andrew is here. She is a New York Times bestselling author. She's a writer, an artist, an illustrator, a speaker, a flamenco enthusiast, and she is just such a ball of delight. You might have seen her work on Instagram. Her handle is at by Mari Andrew. She has over a million followers who just adore her. Maybe you've read one of her books, Am I There Yet?, which is about navigating life in your 20s. And recently she announced that that's actually going to become a TV series on Amazon. Mari has an amazing new book that just came out earlier this month. It's called My Inner Sky on embracing day, night, and all the times in between. It's a collection of essays and illustrations that helps us explore the emotions that make up a life and helping you find a path home to yourself again and again. You can get your copy of this book because it's just such a beautiful piece of work. And we're going to dig into some of the most important themes that she talks about. We're also going to talk about how she's been able to find her own voice as a writer and an artist and how she creates content that has generated such a big following. Mari is so wise and she's so easy to talk to. You're going to immediately want to be best friends with her. Without further ado, please welcome the incredible Mari Andrew. Mari, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I've been a fan of yours for years and was always like screenshotting your work, sometimes have posted and tagged your work. And here we are getting to connect. So that's really fun. There's so many cool things happening in your life right now. And even if I hadn't done the research about you for the podcast, I had already kind of like seen a few really cool glimpses of things that are happening. But before we get there, because we will, I think my audience would want to know a little bit about your journey of like, how the heck did this like sprightly, wide-eyed, deep girl get to do something she loves doing full time? I had a long road. It was a long road uh, to get here. I've done a lot of other things in my life. I was one of those people, I think there's so many of us running around who feel like we have so much passion and enthusiasm, but don't really know where to place that. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Like all throughout my twenties, I thought, I know I could be really passionate about something. I just can't figure out what it is. And so I tried a lot of different jobs. Um, Most recently marketing, that was my last office job before I became a writer full-time. Although now I have another job, so it's just a a continuous unfolding. Um, And I'm interested in trying a lot of careers in my life. It doesn't stop here by any means, but before I became a full-time freelance writer. I had various office jobs at nonprofits. I was always really, you know, an idealist and always felt really passionate about a number of social issues as I still do and wanted to work in those fields, you know, putting all this enthusiasm to work, but I just couldn't really figure out what my place was. I felt like there were all these things I was so interested in, but the through line through all of it was writing And I had known that I was naturally 
a writer. I always kept journals. I wrote a lot of letters. I was always writing in some way or another, writing the really long emails. But it didn't occur to me that I could be a writer because the way I had seen it done was not the way that I knew how to write. The people my age who were getting famous and popular and these platforms um, and various websites, I didn't know how to write like they did. And at 28 years old, I already felt too old <laughs> to start. So I started this Instagram account during a really, really rough period where I was spending a lot of time by myself and just trying to kind of get back to who I was um, during a period of grief and depression. And one way I did that was these drawings. And they were a new way to express myself. I'd never really drawn before in earnest. And I just decided to do it every day really consistently. And I think that was probably, you know, the, the thing. I think I ran into a lot of luck during this time. One that was illustration was becoming a really popular tool on Instagram. People were paying attention to illustrators. Another was that this sort of more honest work was becoming, was getting, you know, in the zeitgeist. And I just happened to come along at a time when those were really well received. That certainly wasn't the case for a lot of my 20s. And then I built this platform through through my illustrations, which I got to write a bit in them as well. They're um, pretty text heavy. So that was a wonderful means of expression. And then got a book deal and was able to quit my job and go full-time freelance. And it's been a really, really beautiful, really rich, really interesting ride. Isn't it incredible that we live in a time where a person can speak from their heart, make what they want to make and find the people who receive that message without like working for the quote unquote man. Like you didn't have to like go into a building and like have someone give you permission. You didn't have to have a PhD. You didn't need a publisher. You could just like, and then you said very humbly, and then I had a lot of luck and look, there is a lot of synchronicity that we can't deny that kind of comes in and out of our life. But to me, the big deal here, the big bang here that like created the whole thing was the courage to just be seen and put it in the world. And I, that's how I found you is because like you said, you were being very real and talking about real things. What was your reaction? Were you pleasantly surprised or were you Like, yeah, this is what I thought would happen. I would meet a world of supportive, kind humans. Because I imagine that your Instagram following does feel that way, supportive and kind. Mm, They tend to be a pretty, pretty nice little crowd. (laughs) Um, I'm still getting over the surprise. I mean, everything about it is surprising. I didn't really uh, feel like I fit in most of my life. I've always felt like a bit of an outsider. I always felt like my experiences were really, really specific to me and completely unrelatable to others. The illustration project was a total experiment. It was 
for fun. It was to get to know myself better. It was to get to know a new way of expression. And so to have people really resonate with that has been nothing but a really pleasant, wonderful surprise. I want to talk a little bit about the content so that people can get a sense. Talk to me about what the content is like so that they get it. And what, if you could remember, what was one of the first posts that did really well when you were like, oh, me speaking this open-hearted actually lands? Sure. Yeah. It's, it's grown a lot. I mean, it's, I've evolved a lot, I should say. And the way that I used to draw and illustrate on Instagram has changed a lot. And I really appreciate the people who are still around. I think, you know, the reasons why a lot of people came in the first place may not totally fit anymore. Um, I used to do a lot of sort of cartoons, um, especially about dating and my adventures being a late twenties single person. And now I'm a mid thirties single person with, (laughs) with, with a kind of a different set of interests. Um, and at first, I mean, everything I wanted to be in this kind of cartoon form. I remember the first post that did really well by my standards. I think it got a hundred likes and I was like, oh my God, it went viral. (laughs) Was um, a drawing of my recent Google searches. And it was things like, you know, how to do taxes or like, will I die if I eat expired takeout? Stuff like that. And um, (laughs) I, I remember that. That was my first one where I thought, oh my gosh, people are here for me. And it was so exciting. And I think from then on, I kept pushing myself to go a little deeper, a little deeper. So when I was still kind of doing the cartoons, but maybe going a little more emotionally deep, there was one where I had just gotten rejected by this guy I really liked. And I was so sure about him. And I was so surprised and shocked by this rejection and Um, I wrote a pie chart about single life and most of it's really great. And there was this like one sliver that was really sad. And that's how I felt. And I remember thinking like, no one's going to get this except me. And that one did really well. And, and it just, it, it was so beautiful because it made me feel less alone. It's like, I'm putting this out there and people are saying this makes me feel less alone, but it it was really quite, (laughs) quite self-satisfying because it really made me feel less alone to hear that. And then ever since I've just kept trying to pull back the layers a little more and be a little less specific about the particulars and more specific about my actual emotions and feelings. And I always find that the more specific I am, the more people resonate because we're all basically going through the same things, which surprises me again and again, really beautifully. It's just so amazing. There's so much here. One thing is you literally are the epitome of what objectively really across the board now is like considered the gold standard. It's like to find a person who on their own just started doing their thing, wasn't waiting to be given the permission, just started doing it and built something. And here's the other piece of what you built. You, she said before, very humbly, like she got a hundred likes now, just for people who don't know, she gets like 50,000 likes. You didn't just build a following. You built such depth in the kind of relationship you have with your following, that it's not just impressive 
it's literally what's helping us as a society to get through is like finding other people. You said I felt so alone at the time. And then I could just like go on there. Right. And look, then you didn't feel alone. And the people who followed you didn't feel alone for a moment when they could connect with your work. What do you think it takes to build that kind of depth and engagement? Cause you've done it so well. I think a, a lot about the different metrics of success and they're really different for every person. If someone wants a really big following more power to them, that is a perfectly fine thing to want. That is not what drove me. And I think that you know, it was definitely for the best because that's really so out of your control. Um, something that I always tried to keep in mind is that all I've ever wanted was to connect with people through my writing. That's all I've ever wanted to do. So if I have five followers and they read what I have to say, that's five people who are connecting with me, you know, from maybe a different state or a different country. That's beautiful. I'm very, very happy with that. And so if my goal remains to have people look at my writing and say, okay, that, that evokes something in me, even, even like the trolls and stuff, I always think, oh, it evoked something in them. It like made, it provoked them to say something, you know, like that's, that's kind of interesting. But if people feel resonance, if five people feel resonance to me, that's like such a great success. So it's, it really has never been about the number for me. And again, that's fine if it is. I think it's so good to clarify what matters to you. And I think I spent 30 years clarifying what mattered to me. And so when I finally did reach that metric of success, which was being able to share my work in this way that felt really authentic and really good to me. I didn't have to change it for anyone. I wasn't going through, you know, a magazine where I had to write in a specific way. I could just write whatever I wanted. To me, that was like the greatest success. I've already had that, you know, that's beautiful. And anything else really is icing on the cake. And at this point, you know, numbers fluctuate all the time. I've lost a lot of followers since my style has changed. So I'm, you know, you can't be too attached to that. You can't be too attached to things that you have no control over, or you're going to be pretty unhappy, but you can, you know, if you find the thing that you do have control over, which is your own self-worth, the things that gratify you, the things that you like to do every day, you know, the life that you love, the community that you have, that's what actually is sustainably happy for, for a person. Let me ask you this question, which is a tough one. I feel like for artists, especially, and I mean, all kinds of artists, whether you draw or you sing or you paint or anything I've learned through the course of time that at the core, somewhere along the way, what makes relationships successful is like radical empathy. And yet as an artist, I think there's a feeling of like, I don't want to sell out. I don't want to think too much about what my audience needs or is wanting. I want to think from a place of inspiration. But when somebody is successful, something has happened where they're not only finding something that feels sustainable and authentic, but they've definitely been able to figure out that something they're doing is needed. And they are listening. There's usually a point at which they're listening from a place of 
goodness, not from a place of selling out. Artists struggle with this. Like, will I lose myself if I start to ask my audience how they're feeling or notice what they're going through or write things to their pain points? Hmm. How do you balance it? And what's your advice for people who don't just want to have a hobby? They would like to be able to be an artist full time. So therefore, how do we find a way to make something that people like and need and yet feel good about what we're making? How much of the time are you thinking about what people's feelings are, what people are going through, what the collective is going through, or how often are you like, I'm just going to live for my own inspiration point? Hmm. I think almost everything I make is within community or within the collective. That doesn't mean that I'm hyper aware of what my particular audience is saying. I think that, you know, it's it's kind of a microcosm of the bigger community. And I spend very, very little time on social media. So I I tend not to know what exactly people are saying about my work. It's it's really none of my business. And I really try to not look at it too much because it affects me, it can affect me in ways that make me a little too self-conscious to create authentically. But I am aware of what's going on in the greater community. I've always been really interested in, you know, what's kind of the big uh, cultural conversation right now. I've always been really interested in pop culture and what people are talking about, you know, and what are the sort of trending topics in real time and online and all of that. And what I try to do is work within that. And I, I say, okay, everyone seems to be talking about this thing right now. What's a different perspective. What's a different way we could talk about this? Um, one of my most like viral illustrations is this post about Mother's Day, which is, it says, thinking of you, I think, and it's six different bouquets for people who might feel pain on Mother's Day for various reasons. And I wrote that because I saw a billion posts about Mother's Day and they were all either new mothers or people thanking their mothers. And I thought, who's not being heard? Who's not being listened to here? And so I wrote something for the people who I thought were not feeling seen. So I like to kind of do a bit of rebellion against, you know, what the bigger conversation is saying and say, well, who might not feel this way? Or what else can we say about this? And that's actually a big inspiration for me is kind of going against things that I don't like. This book that I, I just wrote, My Inner Sky, is kind of a rebellion against positive thinking. I felt like that was getting us nowhere. And I wanted to write something that was sort of anti-positive thinking and more present thinking. So I am, you know, aware of what's going on as far as the like selling out question or, you know, how to connect with your audience while still remaining really true to yourself. I think the more you can like go inside yourself, the more you will be able to understand how other people work. I mean, we're all so similar and to really dig into your own human experience is to dig into other people's human experience. And you're never going to speak for everyone. Oh my goodness. That's like one thing that I, I really want to drive home um, about social media that every post doesn't, you know, apply to every single person nor should it. But I think the more you go inside, the more you know yourself and the more introspective you can be, the more you'll really understand what resonates with other people. And that can help you, you know, in the business side of things. That's something that I 
you know, I'm really conflicted about and I try to keep very separate from what I do on Instagram and how I kind of express myself naturally, but it's certainly, you know, it's part of it. This conversation is so good, but before we keep going, we're just going to thank our sponsors. As we all know, trying different wine is one of the best ways to find new favorites, but sometimes buying wine I've never had before or heard of, it doesn't pay off, literally. But having a First Leaf Wine Club membership is just like being a VIP in the world of wine. I can discover top-rated wine I love at an exclusive discounted cost with practically zero effort. First Leaf sends personalized selections of wine from top vineyards around the world right to your door. Every bottle is handpicked by experts with your exact preferences and palate in mind, so there's no guesswork or letdowns. Plus, you get awesome wine at much lower prices because First Leaf works directly with world-class winemakers, which means you save up to 60% off retail on award-winning wine. And unlike other wine clubs, First Leaf uses an algorithm and your feedback to curate future wine recommendations so every shipment only gets better. I think it's really cool how they let you rate the wines you get, and then you can give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down and add any comments on what you thought about the wine. And then they take that feedback into consideration for your next shipment. I really enjoyed the wines I got from the last delivery. And since my husband had been away for a while, I gave myself permission to work my way through some of them. First Leaf makes it really easy to change the next delivery date. So I really just appreciated how flexible they were with the subscription. Discover new wine like a VIP by becoming a First Leaf member. Join today and you're going to get six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to tryfirstleaf.com slash dreamjob. That's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash dreamjob. When I first started my business all by myself, I needed a quick, easy, and affordable way to design graphics and PDFs, and I'm so glad that I found Canva. Canva Pro can help boost your productivity and creativity no matter what your skill level is, and it has everything you need to design just like a pro. With a subscription, Canva Pro gives you everything you need in one place, including a collection of over 75 million premium photos, videos, audio, and graphics. We have a Canva Pro account, and it's hands down one of the best resources that we have. Every single graphic that you see on my Instagram account or any audiogram, the podcast artwork, it's all been made on Canva. And if you want to know a secret, no one on my team ever studied graphic design or even worked as a professional designer. But everything we've been making looks pretty darn good, if I should say so myself. If you're starting your business and you're thinking, I'm not that artistic, graphics is just not my forte. Listen, I've been there before, but Trust me, just give Canva a try. It's going to build your creative confidence and you're going to start calling yourself a graphic designer in no time. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Get a free 45-day extended trial by going to canva.me slash dreamjob. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash dreamjob. We're going to talk about Am I There Yet? But I want to talk about the new book because it's here today. It just came out. So exquisite, My Inner Sky. Let's talk about that. I've recently um, been saying to my my audience that in my own meditation practice, I really love this idea of just like putting out the welcome mat, mm. just like whatever's here. Yeah. And just without this, like pushing the river without this, like, so the job today is to feel good. It's, it's almost mm-hmm. like that in of itself creates some resistance and anxiety. And you're such a delight because you offer people just this safe space to fall apart. And when we're allowed to just acknowledge and like sit and witness what's going on, oftentimes that goes a really long way. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about why you wanted the collection of essays in this book to land the way you just said, why do you want us to make space for the pain? And what do you hope people will get from it? I want us to make space for the pain because pain exists and to splinter yourself off from that is to completely disembody yourself. Um, 
something that has come to mind a lot in, in the past year, something I've been thinking about is your body is the only thing you will ever truly own. And it's the only permanent home you'll ever have. And there are so many messages that say that certain things don't belong in our body and your heart and your brain are also in your body. So I'm speaking to thoughts and emotions as well. And very often in the past year, I've heard all kinds of um, messages about how we should feel and, you know, what grief looks like, what loss looks like. And I found myself feeling certain emotions that society would tell me don't belong in my brain, in my body. And I'm still experiencing them. So they must because I own my body. And <laughs> so there's got to be space for them. I feel the way I feel. Humans are capable of 34,000 distinct emotions. And hopefully we feel all of them in our life. That's kind of the goal to me. And we get all kinds of messages about how certain feelings don't belong. I've heard uh, very often when people feel down or they feel a sense of loss about things that might not be that big in the grand scheme, um, the antidote is be grateful. And I always think that is the funniest thing to say because gratitude doesn't mean you're happy. <laughs> you can be in a lot of pain and be grateful for the pain. You can really miss something and be so grateful that you miss it. And, you know, gratitude is a friend of grief. It's not the opposite. And I don't believe there are any opposite emotions. You can be sad and happy at the exact same time. And I just really wanted this book to be like a home for every emotion that we go through and let everyone feel welcome. It's so important what you're saying. And I've just been reading Janine Roth's book, Women, Food and God. It's amazing. And basically she's saying in this book, what you're saying and then her own perspective on what you're saying, which is when we actually turn toward the sadness, the loneliness, the grief, the anxiety, we, we are liberated because we find that we actually can hold those feelings and they do not annihilate us. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. won't destroy us. Right. It's actually the opposite that like, right. Go toward the pain and the sorrow and the grief and the whatever you want to put in that. And then there's something beyond that that's holding that feeling. And what I'm noticing in my own journey is it's a feeling of being integrated. Yes. So it's like, oh, even though this hurts right now and I'm so present with whatever this is, I love this feeling of being awake because I'm meeting myself beyond this person who constantly wants to escape from these feelings. Yeah. You're right. That's so disembodied. It's such yeah. an awful feeling of constantly yeah. having to leave yourself to not feel what you feel. Good luck. Like you can watch all the Netflix <laughs> you want, scroll your phone as long as you want. Yes. Yes. And we're so not taught that. We're not taught to just sit with it. And as I'm sure you found, once you sit long enough. It's like this quote who, I don't know who said it. It might've It was have just me. Been, it was for sure uh, me. <laughs> it was definitely you. <laughs> might've been just like a friend of mine in a text. Um, yep. I think it's, we can see in the dark if we wait long enough, something to that effect. Oh, and, so good. Um, so good. And so I think a lot about, yeah, like 
when the lights first turn off, you're like, what? I can't see anything. It's really disorienting. But if you get adjusted to it, you find that you can see things in a totally different way. And you're actually, you're kind of built for that. Like if you sit there, you will find things in it. Right now I'm working as a hospital chaplain and the number one thing that I have to do in my work is just sit in loss and grief, like not offer hope necessarily, not offer a solution, not offer a quote or a book, but just sit with it, just be present. And when I'm first with someone who's having a really hard time, maybe one of the hardest things they've ever been through it's really uncomfortable and it makes me want to say, oh, things will be better. Or, um, oh, when I went through this, you know, look at me now or whatever. Like I want to give something because it's so like itchy and uncomfortable to sit there. But as soon as you move through that and it takes a while, but when you move through that and sit there, you find that you're kind of like in real time transforming and there is a beauty to be found there that can only be found Mm -hmm. in that pain. And not to like, you know, glorify pain, but I just wish it was something that we accepted a bit more. Yeah. And it's so big because so often in our work and in our life, we, we think, you know, we have to, like Mary Oliver says, like walk on our knees for a thousand miles. Like there's so much to do and there's so much to, produce. And so often what people are so desperate for is someone who just like sits beside them to just witness it and like make the space and just hold that. And it is so uncomfortable, but then the longer you do it, you realize, like you just said, so we're, we're built to do that. Like we can be with it. And it doesn't make it feel sweet or amazing, but there's a satisfaction in that feeling of just being awake to it. It beats the story we tell ourselves or the running away, even yes. though it's, um, it's painful. Yeah. It's kind of like that feeling when you're at a funeral and something crosses your mind where you're like, why do I feel good right now? Oh, you feel good because everyone around you in this moment, including yourself, is present. And mm. you're sad, but you're being with your sadness. And there's something about that. It's like there's an equanimity. There's something that goes, whoa, like this is like so awake and so present that the present being present actually feels awesome because we're so rarely present. Well, it's like peak human, right? It's like right. humans are extremely emotionally attuned animals with a huge capacity for a range of emotions. And to be like really sad is to be so human. <laughs> and um, that- I did it, guys. <laughs> I'm doing it. I'm a I won. <laughs> I'm at How my human peak. can you be? I'm at my peak. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's something like so valuable in that. I think there's a value to anything that we struggle through. That's why people climb mountains and do marathons. It's not like 
fun. I mean, maybe it is to some people, but, or to, you know, to work on something that took so much out of you and was so exhausting, Right. right. but there's value to that. Yeah. And yep. it's like, okay, this is a treasured experience as much as something really joyful. Yeah. It's beautiful. I love what you're saying. It's very, talk about, like you said, rebelling against the sort of the universal messaging. Yeah. I'm with you. I think positive thinking is uh, exhausting. Um, (laughs) But I'm also really curious about the neuroscience that shows the sort of memorized neural pathways and the ways in which our body kind of chemically gets addicted to the different chemicals get that get released from negative thoughts. And I'm really interested in like learning about that and holding it and then seeing if I can try to actually find my way to potentially a thought that's beyond this addiction of the past, because there really is science that shows that. And it's, it's amazing. It is amazing how we wake up wired physically addicted in the body, forget the mind, the body is physically addicted to a certain set of thoughts that lead to a certain set of chemicals. And that's amazing to me. So I've been Mm. doing, I've been doing a lot of work looking at that, feeling into that. And then when you tell your body to cross that river into something more expansive, your body is scared of that it's more comfortable sitting a little bit in the darker stuff because it's probably literally addicted to it. Hmm. So that's also really interesting. And then holding both of those things, right? Mm -hmm. Being present and mindful while also seeing if we can, if we can, if we can make space to live this day a different way than we did Mm -hmm. yesterday. If there is a potential for a more expansive feeling like, I don't know what that could be. It could be exhilaration. It could be joy. It could be excitement. It's just you really speak fascinating. in my language. I love, <laughs> I got, I've gotten really into neuroscience, haven't we all? Let's also, because it's just so fantastic. Can we talk about your other book and how this book is now just, you know, it's just becoming a show. That's all. Just a TV show. That's all. Let's talk about that book. And how do you feel about this Amazon series? Like, how is this? This is incredible. Thank you. You know, it's it's really funny. I, I have always been a little allergic to the phrase, that's so exciting. Because it usually follows when, when you've like worked either really hard on something or something's about to happen that will require a lot of work. So for instance, when I like, moved into an apartment that I, that I really wanted to move to. And people said, that's so exciting. And I thought, well, it's going to be a lot of work and like money, you know, I, I don't know if it's just like exciting. Exciting is something that just happens to you that requires no work or like my book coming, coming out is sure. It's exciting, but it's also like super raw and vulnerable and intense and, and a lot of work. So I, I don't know if I would say it's like exciting. I think like a birthday is exciting because it just happens to you. You right. don't even you can be passionate it. about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I will say, I do have a point with this, what, with what I'm saying. Um, the show is exciting because I kind of did nothing <laughs> to make it happen. The book I did write, but all of this TV stuff has just been like, it's a foreign language to me. I never really know what's going on. It was something that has been in the works for a couple years now, but I 
didn't really do anything to make it happen. It just happened. And so it is really exciting because I don't really know much about it. And it's just been this like dessert of a life experience. I'm not writing for it. So I'm just kind of sitting back and watching it play out. And I really trust the writer. She's absolutely uh, just so, so brilliant. Who is she? Her name's Camilla Blackett. Um, She's done a lot of really good writing. She's a really nuanced, thoughtful, insightful, cool person who I want to be more like. So it's really such an honor to have her working on it. She's put her totally own spin on it. So what happened? You were just, you were going along in your life. The book is out. People loved it. And then Mm -hmm. somebody sent you a DM saying, can we turn this into a show? Yeah, I can't even remember at this point how exactly this was like three years ago. It's TV shows take a long time is something that I've learned from the industry. But yeah, and I just, you know, I sat in on meetings, but it was just such a a wonder to watch. Yeah, totally. It's like this industry I know nothing about. So it's been cool. It makes so much sense that it's going to be a show because for anyone who doesn't know the book, this is what the book is called. Am I there yet? The loop-de-loop zigzagging journey to adulthood. That is what every show should be. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's just talk about that for a moment. What was it that you most wanted to say in that collection of, of thoughts in that book? Oh, man, that was a really special project for me. It came out, I think, when I was 30, but I got the book deal when I was 28 and I wrote the first essay when I was 24. So it felt like oh, this um, wow. really sweet kind of real time mm-hmm. journal almost that I was so, so grateful to get to share. And what I really wanted was for people to know it was so, so okay to not know what you wanted to be or do, but I wanted to empower people to really get to know themselves. That's kind of like my umbrella mission in life is getting to know yourself is the most important thing we can do. It's the most beautiful journey. And so to know, you know, all of the little corners of yourself, know know what matters to you and know what's important to you, live with a gratitude for what you've built in your life, what you've cultivated in your life, as opposed to, you know, these external things, which are so prized in our society, you know, job and boyfriend and whatever, to have a real knowledge of yourself and your values is, is just such a richer experience. And that's what I wanted to share through all these little cartoons, mostly about dating and uh, job fiascos. I feel like you're everyone's instant best friend. Aw. Like I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm good. I'll just talk to her for the rest of my life. (laughs) Let's have a seven hour podcast. (laughs) She's so awesome. You're so cool. Um, So speaking of what you just said, it's interesting because I thought that this show was all about helping people find their life's work. Yeah. And so I started the show with like, oh, I'll have all of these successful creatives on and we'll talk about how you build a business. And what I came to find out is people had no idea who they were. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that the reason that they tuned in was that they were hoping that just maybe every time they listened, they'd walk away with a clue of what they actually like, or maybe what they actually are meant to do. And it hurts. 
it, it actually, I can feel that pain when mm-hmm. people are listening right now and they're like, I know that there's something about mm-hmm. me that makes mm-hmm. me me. Mm-hmm. And there's this big feeling of emptiness. And so you've gone on, you illustrated this workbook, getting their workbook for growing up. And you also have the Skillshare class drawing as self-discovery, five ways to start. And all of your work really, like you said, is in some way a guidepost to feel what you feel, to know what you know, to come back home to yourself. What do you say to people about it? How can we get in on this thing that you've been doing, which is getting to know ourselves? How can we start down that journey? How do we get a clue or four clues about Mm. who we are? How do we begin that? And how can we excavate all the yummy stuff or even the not so yummy stuff? Yeah. Oh yeah. All, all this stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, I really had an advantage in my life. I had a great privilege, which was, I didn't fit in my entire childhood and adolescence. I really did not have any friend who I really connected with. I, I didn't, just didn't really have friends. And as an only child, I spent a lot of time just with my mom. I didn't feel like I understood kids, but I also like obviously couldn't hang with adults. So I felt like, all right, I'm just going to be by myself, I guess. So I got to know myself really well at a young age. And in a lot of ways, I I feel like I kind of had a reverse adulthood experience. I, I think when I was young, I was learning a lot of things that I found that people tend to just be thinking about now in their their 30s and 40s. But I wasn't doing the things like dating or having friends or going to parties that I learned I had to learn how to do later. So I had this kind of flipped experience. And that was such a privilege because I got to know myself young. And I kind of thought everyone did. And then I realized, oh, no, okay, most people like we're spending time doing other things, going to parties, hanging out at the mall or whatever. Well, I was like in my room alone journaling about all of my feelings. And so that to me was such a great privilege. And the thing I can say to replicate that experience or to kind of start digging in there, if you were someone who was more popular when you were younger, (laughs) is... um, Put yourself in the experience of being an outsider, whatever that looks like to you, you know, put yourself somewhere where you're going to be the worst one in the room, you know, take a dance class that you know you'll be terrible at, go on a trip by yourself where you know you're going to be a little lonely, put yourself in experiences where you're going to have to be alone. And some of them are more pleasant than others. You can journal at a cafe, totally fine. But I think the best thing you can do to start like really getting to know yourself is kind of like push on those, you know, those walls that you're not quite sure about. Don't always seek to fit in, seek to stand out of it because that's how you're going to learn. And it actually, a lot of it is a really pleasant experience. Traveling by yourself, I think is, is one of the most delightful experiences. I just love it. And as somebody who is such a codependent, um, always <laughs> been such a people pleaser, wanted so much for everybody to always be okay. So I've just learned to abandon myself just over and over yeah. again, over and over yeah. again. And so hearing you talk about this time to just like 
and here I was not being popular, but being around a lot of humans yeah. who I would just like figure out how to yeah. please. So yeah. 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 And um, speaking of that last question or so is I think for my audience, something that really comes up a lot is this unworthiness. Oh my mm-hmm. God. And mm-hmm. so how could I post something? It's not good enough. What are mm-hmm. people going to think? So you've been very brave and very honest and posted lots of things and written things. And we just talked about it. So what would you say to someone who feels like they're not worthy of posting or they're so worried that it won't be good enough or it'll be messy or nobody will like it or they won't fit in? What's your perspective on that? I'm so sorry to that, that feeling. I mean, one thing to, to know is that everybody feels that way. Every human feels that throughout the day, no matter how yeah, successful they seem, no matter what they have, that comes up in so many different ways. I mean, I can't even tell you the number of times throughout a day I feel jealous. I feel insecure. I feel like nobody likes me. I feel like my work doesn't matter all day, every day it's happening. (laughs) I think something that can be so helpful is to take a real beat and think, why do I want to do this? Where's the joy in creating this? I started drawing because it's a really soothing physical activity to color watercolors in, you know, in, in like a a Sharpie line. It's a really soothing activity. I wanted something to kind of take my mind off of whatever and, um, and just do this really relaxing thing. For me, that was the joy. And I always thought, you cannot control the way that the world perceives you. Again, none of your business, but you can control your experience of what you're doing. You can say, they can't take away how much fun I had doing this. They can't take away how delightful it is to sit and have my little cat nap next to me while I'm drawing. They can't take that away. I could get the worst review on planet earth and they can't take away how much I loved writing this book or, you know, whatever you do. And so think about those things that are for you only. And I think that helps so much with, you know, the sense of worthiness that the world can give and take, and it does give and take all the time. That's so, so deeply out of your control, but the things that you can control are the things that happen inside, inside your home, which is your body. I love that. And I love the image of you sitting next to your cat is doing watercolor. It's the best. So, so really, it really is is relaxing to listen to Mari. Thank you for all of this and tell everybody where they can get your book and where they can follow you and keep along with the journey. My new book is my inner sky available wherever you buy books. Instagram is by Mari Andrew. And this was so beautiful. Thank you for giving me space to explore all my feelings today. I'm I'm so, so grateful. You're so easy to (laughs) hang out with. (laughs) Likewise. I'm totally like nourished by today. Thank you so much. 
Mari is just so cool. I really could talk to her all day. Here are the takeaways. Number one, even if five people resonate with your work, that is a success. Number two, be a rebellion against what the bigger conversation is asking. Ask, what else can we say here? Who might not feel this way? Number three, the more you can go inside yourself, the more you can understand how other people work. Number four, your body, heart, and mind are the only things you will ever truly own. It's the only home you have. Number five, we can see in the dark if we wait long enough. Number six, there's a value to anything we struggle through. Number seven, getting to know yourself is the most important, beautiful journey you can take. And number eight, you can't control how the world perceives you, but that's none of your business. Find the things you can control, like your self-worth, the life you love, the experience of what you're doing. They can't take away how much fun that you have. All right, now I want to share some shout outs for some of our students who've just made some awesome progress lately. So Katerina said... If it weren't for me to do this, I would have never even thought about the idea of having a podcast or that it was easy to start one. That was such a crucial step for my business journey because I wasn't sure what my expertise was. I am passionate about mindset development, but found that it was so difficult to coach people on it. When I fell in love with podcasting, I decided to teach other coaches and content creators how to start their own and use it to make profit the unconventional way, which is by building a relationship with their audience and sharing real value. And now I have a four-figure business and growing. Katerina, that's just so amazing. I love that you were open to the idea of podcasting and gave it a try and look at what it's done for you. Way to go. I am so excited to hear how this business continues to grow. You can all go listen to Katerina's podcast. It's called Wake Up and Unfold and you can follow her on Instagram at the Katerina page. Here's another epic win. So Kay said, I launched a podcast and built a thriving community of people who love the history of letter writing. When I joined Made to Do This, my mother-in-law was the only one listening and liking my content. Occasionally, my godfather would show up to my live sessions, literally with no one but him. Also, my top video doing my art has now been viewed by over 10 million people and has almost 1 million likes on Instagram. Is this amazing or what? Okay, that's just really incredible. Congratulations to you. You should be so freaking proud of yourself. I love the video you posted and it's no wonder it has so many views. Actually, at the time of this recording, it now has over 15 million views and over 1 million likes. Kay, you are truly a superstar. You all have to go check out Kay's work. Her Instagram is at Katherine Hastings Co. And Katherine is spelled K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. And you can listen to her podcast, One Sealed Letter. Okay, now I'm going to announce our giveaway winner. I'm doing two giveaways a week, every Monday and Thursday. So if you want a chance to win some awesome swag, we've got mugs, we've got hoodies, we've got t-shirts. All you have to do is leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, or you can go onto your Instagram stories and talk about this podcast and just tag me at kathy.heller. Today's winner is penguin underscore master 95. And they wrote, love the daily check-ins. I just started listening to this last month and I loved all the short little daily episodes so much that I went back and listened to them all. It is the perfect little pick me up to put you in a good mood and help you believe that you can accomplish anything that day. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. I mean, truly, I'm aware that there's a million things that you could be doing. And I I know that your time is the most valuable thing that you have. So thank you so much for listening to the show. There are so many good episodes coming up. So please subscribe because it's free to subscribe. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you listen, so that you just don't miss anything. And I would love it if you left us a review. I also am curious if you got anything from this episode that you think somebody else would be inspired by. Can you think of one person who would benefit from hearing this conversation? If the answer is yes, then I want you to take a second right now and text the link to the episode or post it on your Facebook page. Share it. 
share this so that this continues to resonate and impact people because it might just be something that somebody needed to hear and you have no idea how that could change the trajectory of their day, of their week, of their life. All right. Well, if you want to let Mari know that you enjoyed the episode, you can post about it on your Instagram and tag her at by Mari Andrew, and then she'll know that the episode made an impact on you. And if you do tag her and you tag me at Kathy.Heller, I will also repost as many of those posts as I can. I love you guys so much. I'm going to leave you with a song of mine and I will talk to you tomorrow. Look at that girl. She's lighting up the world. She'll be a hologram to earn their love. People wait in line to see the way she shines. If she wasn't perfect, would it be enough? Now the sky is on fire. I've lived my whole life walking on a wire. My heart's on fire. I don't want to live a lie. Suddenly, I'm breaking free. Suddenly, I'm breaking free. I have never felt so strong. I've been waiting for so long to be me. Suddenly, I'm breaking free. She hides a broken heart. Just watch her play the part. She casts a spell everywhere she goes. Another Mona Lisa. They all come to see her. Everybody's looking for a hero. Ready, set free. One, two, three. 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 Ready, set free. One, two, three.